In high school, my favorite teacher, Mr. Hine, was our band director. Hilarious. Always made learning about and playing music fun. Every year, at the end of the year band concert, he had a surprise for everyone, uh, including those who were in the band. One year, he had the alien from E.T. riding a child's toy bike on a wire across the stage over the heads of the band as we played the movie's theme. Another year, it was the Superman theme. You can probably guess how he came out on the stage to direct us with that song. You probably have, or you had, a favorite teacher, too. Good teachers make an impression on us, don't they? They care. They help us to, to make sense of things. A good teacher not only teaches, but also repeats and reminds in order to instill that knowledge in us or to bring that knowledge back when we've forgotten it. I would guess that we're all thankful if we've had teachers like that. Today on Pentecost, we celebrate a teacher who tops them all. The Holy Spirit is the divine teacher of godly truths, the one who reminds us of the things of faith. Although there are many things that the Holy Spirit does, today John's Gospel leads us to think especially about the teaching and the reminding that he does. If we're thankful for good earthly teachers, how much more should we be thankful for the Holy Spirit? Pentecost reminds us that we should always give thanks for the Holy Spirit because he teaches us and because he reminds us. The words in front of us today were spoken by Jesus to his disciples as they were in the upper room on the night before his suffering and, and death began. Jesus spent the evening preparing his friends for earthly life without him. One of them asked Jesus a question about his going away. Jesus explained that whoever held on to his words, his teaching, would not be alone. The person who held on to that teaching that came from both the Father and Jesus would be loved by the Father. And the Father and Jesus would be right there with them. So Jesus would be with them, but in a different way after he had into heaven. So Jesus' command to hold on to his teaching came with promises, too, promises that should have comforted them. But these promises do not apply to the person who does not hold on to Jesus' words and trust in those words, because that's a sign that the person does not love Jesus. The Father withholds his love from that person, and we know that if a person does not have God's love here in this world, they do not have God's love for eternity. As they sat there in the upper room hearing these things from Jesus, time was short. Trial and persecution were immediately around the corner, and Jesus had a lot to tell them, more than they could understand in that moment, more than they'd be able to remember after witnessing the atrocity of Jesus' crucifixion and the emotion-reversing resurrection, it would all be so dizzying that they, they would lock themselves in a room out of fear and even find it difficult to believe that he was alive. 
but an all-important gift was coming to them, one that would help with all of these things. The Father was going to send the Holy Spirit. Maybe you recall this, maybe you've forgotten, maybe you've never quite known this before, but in the Nicene Creed, we confess that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Why do we say that he proceeds from? This verse and others in Scripture tell us that the Father and the, whole, and the Son send the Holy Spirit. But don't think that the Holy Spirit is somehow inferior to the Father and the Son. He is true God also, part of the Trinity, which we'll celebrate next week. But his function is to go and help God's people as he proceeds from the Father and the Son. Spirit, again, does many things, and one of them is to teach, to inform, to give faith, to strengthen faith. The Bible tells us that the disciples didn't really understand everything about Jesus. It wasn't until after his resurrection that they kind of put everything together. But how was that? By the Holy Spirit. And when Pentecost came, the powerful force of the Holy Spirit was, was unleashed as he gifted his disciples with the ability to speak in languages they had never been trained in. Teaching, <clears throat> teaching in an instant, you might say. By the Spirit's power, they were immediately able to preach and teach God's saving grace to thousands of festival goers. The Holy Spirit taught thousands of people as the disciples proclaimed the gospel, and he brought 3,000 people to baptism. In an unpredictable and chaotic world, God is unchanging. He looks at you and me the same way he looked at those first disciples. His message is the same today as it was then. His promises have not changed. You and I have the promise of the, Father, of the Father's love if we hold to his teaching. We're assured also that the Father and Jesus are right there by our side as we love our Savior and as we hold on to his word. Clearly, this holding on to Jesus' word is critical. So what does that mean? Well, first, it has to mean loving God's Word because it's there that you find your Savior and all the blessings that He brings and instructions on godly living. You have to love His Word. Loving His Word means wanting to hear it. Wanting to hear it means making efforts to hear that Word so that follow what it says so we can hold on to that word. I'm going to assume that all of us who are gathered here today do love Jesus' word and we're dedicated to holding on to his teaching, which is good, since we've heard that this is the thing that connects us to Jesus and the Father's love. So my question is, how do you do that? How do you hold on to his word? <clears throat> you may think that your pastors sound like a broken record. How many times have you heard us 
often in the pulpit, say, be in worship. Go to Bible study. Read your Bibles and have personal devotions at home. And the thing is, we're going to keep saying it. (laughs) Always. We're always going to say it because these are the places and the ways that the Holy Spirit teaches us today. The Word connects us to Jesus and and our love for it endears us to the Father. Why would we not mention this often? Especially as we watch people pass by these opportunities. Not regular in worship. Not reading their Bibles at home by their own admission. Not in Bible study. Even the easy ones, the convenient ones, the ones on Sunday morning for the kids and for the adults and for the teens, when you're already going to be here anyway. We need to have an appreciation for what the Holy Spirit does as he works through the Word. He teaches us who Jesus is and what he's done. He teaches us what it means to live a godly life of thanks and love. He teaches us so that our sinful nature doesn't go its own way, doing what it wants instead of what God wants, believing whatever it wants instead of what God wants us to believe. We should be giving thanks for the Holy Spirit because both the the sins of ignorance and ignoring are damning. We have little excuse not to know what God says. And we have no excuse for not making opportunity to hear what God says. It could be that these are our sins. It could also be that our sins are more like fighting against what God's Word says. Pick your Bible teaching. Pick the one you don't like. Or the several you don't like. Your thoughts about those teachings are sinful. The words that you say about them may be sinful and dangerous for those who hear you. See, there are plenty of ways that we sin against the Holy Spirit's desire and efforts to teach us. As we think about this, it would be good for us to think about Jesus and his approach to the Scriptures. As a 12-year-old, he sat there in the temple with the teachers, and we're told that he listened And he asked questions. We're told that he grew in wisdom. And then throughout his earthly life, the Son of God set it as a priority to hear God's word in worship on the Sabbath. The point of the cross, the giving of his life, was Jesus offering a perfect life. And you can see that perfection in his approach to the hearing the scriptures. This too, he did flawlessly, paying for our not hearing God's word as he intends or not holding to it as as truth. Our sins are forgiven in Jesus. And this gives us a peace that our world cannot give to us. So we need the Holy Spirit to teach us and Jesus still sends him to do that as he did for his disciples. Jesus also said that the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything I told you.
we need reminding from the first moment that we begin to learn, don't we? This was a while ago now, but we were sitting around with our grandson, and we were asking Roman what color things were. And you've maybe done this too, and so you know how it goes. It's a way of interacting with little children and teaching them. And so you say, what color is this car? Blue. What color is this car? Red. And everything was going fine with the colors until it wasn't. Suddenly, every car was green. His clothes were green. The couch was green. Everything was green. And we would tell him the right color, and then he'd repeat it. So it wasn't like he was messing around like he would do now. He just forgot what color was what, and the A child remembering their colors is important. But if they don't get that immediately, they will. There's enough teaching and reminding along the way. There were things that were important for the disciples to learn, much more important than learning their colors. In that room with Jesus, there was a lot for them to take in as they listened to him, and they asked questions, emotions and information. It was a lot to know, a lot to, a lot to process, a lot to grasp. How would they ever remember all of that? I'm sure they had to appreciate Jesus' promise that the Holy Spirit would also remind them. They'd proven themselves forgetful during the years that they followed Jesus, didn't they? Maybe you remember the time that Jesus was talking uh, to them about the yeast of the Pharisees, the, their false teaching that grew and, and spread, and, and it went completely over their heads. They thought he was implying something about them not having bread. And so Jesus, Jesus questioned them about the abundance of bread that he had, had made at the feeding of the 5,000. And he actually said to them, don't you remember? Even when Jesus died, they didn't remember that he had told them he would die and then he would rise from death. If they had remembered, their words and their actions would have been very different on Easter evening. The disciples had no phones to put notes into. They didn't have post-it notes or pads of paper they could write everything down on. They relied and it didn't always go too well. But how hard can you be on them? You, who forgets the, the third item on your list of three items to get from the store. You, who after somebody introduces themselves to you, can't remember the name when they walk away. How hard can you be on them? Maybe you haven't thought of it quite this way, but... But sin is what causes forgetfulness. At creation, Adam and Eve didn't forget things. They had perfect minds. Sin brought imperfection and weakness to the human mind. And it's true, there are some people who are brilliant and they seem to remember everything, but their minds are not perfect. And it's also true that some struggle with some very serious and challenging mental health issues. No matter where we are with that, we're all the same because sin has affected our minds. 
Jesus promised his followers divine help to overcome their weakness. The Holy Spirit would remind them of the things Jesus did and the things that he said. And that would be, of course, a benefit to them personally, but, but it would also be a blessing to those that heard the saving gospel from them. Pentecost was a dramatic example of that, but, but it would continue and go on with them as they became missionaries for the rest of their lives. There was another time that Jesus gave them a promise like this. He said, You will be brought into the presence of governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Whenever they hand you over, do not be worried about how you will respond or what you will say, because what you say will be given to you in that hour. In fact, you will not be the one speaking, but the Spirit of your Father will be speaking through you. We know that all of these were specific promises for his followers at specific times. But we can also find comfort in these promises. Why? Because this is the work that the Holy Spirit does. He teaches and he reminds. The Spirit of God lives inside of God's people and moves them to act and to speak. If you've ever had just the right words to say to someone about the things of faith, and you thought to yourself, where did that come from? Because you surprised yourself, should we think that the Holy Spirit was not involved? He can give us the words to speak as we share God's word with people. He can give us the, the strength and the push to say something for God when we might normally or hesitant. As forgiven disciples of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit working around our weaknesses to accomplish God's will. He teaches us and he reminds us so that we can find comfort and peace in Jesus and so that we can share the Savior with others so they can have that too. For all of these reasons and more, give thanks for the Holy Spirit, not just on Pentecost, but all now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.